0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be with you all on the second day of summer, or spring, or whatever it is. Man, wasn't it great to wake up yesterday and and go, oh my God, it didn't snow last night. (laughs) Man, we live up in Meridian Lake, and we just got rid of the snow. I mean, just finished at our house, like in the back, and am like, wow. So anyway, I loved it, but it was time. And then the dandelions arrived. <laughs> so anyway, there's always something. Uh, w- hey, welcome to those of you who are just back. Um, it's good to see a lot of friendly faces and folks that we're just, we haven't seen in a while. We get some new people to town. And so we just want you to feel, you know, I, the way I'd like to say it is that this is your home church. Wherever else you are, that's great. In your hometown, whatever you call your hometown. But this is your home church. Okay, so start thinking like that, all right, that's, even though you're only here for a few weeks, we, we just want you to feel really at home here. Uh, we, uh, uh, I wanted to let you know, this week I'm going to be headed out of town with my daughter Sarah, uh, she's 16, I don't know if you've, any of y'all, or many of y'all know Sarah yet, but uh, she's going to get her license here in a couple of days, so <clears throat> beware, um, she thinks driving with one finger is really the way it should be done, like Sarah, so anyway, just look out when you see her uh until she gets a little more skill we're headed to uh, chicago we 're going to a thing that's uh called the justice conference, and when I say that you you might think, what the does she want to be a policewoman or something like that, or or you know do investigations or something? no that's not what this justice conference is about. This is a conference that is uh, designed to inspire believers to bring justice to people who cannot find that on their own, to bring the goodness of god god 's economy to people who are denied that, whether it be clean water or freedom from slavery or uh, just hope in desperate situations. you know a lot of organizations are reaching into these meet these needs education all kinds of things I found this passage I wanted to share with you uh, it 's from the Uh, One of the first written down uh, books of the scripture, Job Job 29, it just describes who he was. And he was a man after God's heart in justice or for justice. He says, I rescued the poor who cried out for help and the orphan who had no one to assist him. The blessing of the dying man descended on me. I made the widow's heart rejoice. I put righteous I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My just dealing was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I investigated the case of the person I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and I made him drop his prey in his teeth. From his teeth. And, uh, y'all, there's just a great movement in America and around the world to bring justice to people who don't have it and to live like Job did. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get really inspired and be able to bring a little bit back, uh, encourage us, but we'll see how that goes. So that's happening this week. Looking forward to it. Be back soon. Uh, today, we're in the series. You can, If you have your Bible, First Peter chapter 2, we'll have it up here on the board. We're, we're in a series we're calling Cornerstone. Because that's the focus, the idea of Jesus as the cornerstone is the, is the cornerstone of chapter two, and this foundation place this uh, this place from which everything in the life of a believer should go forth, and that's christ and that's that's the thing that we've been returning to time and time again, but what's going to happen today and this this is one of the things I see in Peter in this especially in this letter, is that he speaks. He just says it like it is. He tells you what it is, and his, every sentence is packed with information for the believer. If you're not a believer here today, then just uh, listen in, see what you think. But these are words, I think, that are pretty hard, and they're pretty straightforward spoken to people who are followers of Jesus or want to be. And I, I think it informs what that future might look like and should look like. And what Peter's going to do, In these verses we're going to look at, we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 2, 13 through 23. What he's going to do is is he's going to answer a question that these people are asking. Uh, This group is is a set of people who've been exiled from their homes. They're living a couple hundred miles away from where they grew up, and they're trying to make a living, and things aren't going very well. There's still persecution, religious persecution, and that's rising and going to rise. And Peter wants to warn them about it. He wants them to know what's coming. And so here's, here is the question that he's going to answer. What does it look like to follow Jesus in a culture that is against him, that is bent against Christ? What does it look like to follow him in that culture? And I think that's a question that all of us are asking, whether we say it out loud or not. And Peter's going to answer this. And here, but here's the thing that I want to encourage you to think about as we walk through this. As, as I try to lay out for you Peter's answer to that, here's the question. Will you hear what Peter has to say? And I'm asking myself the same question. Will you hear what he has to say? Because what he has to say is not, um, you know, all puppies and unicorns and stuff like that. Okay? So I want, I want to ask you to ask yourself, in, in your life, in your relationships, personally, will you listen to what he has to say? And so take it in. And here's the thing. I have this problem with the scripture, with when I read the Bible or when I hear a message about something that God has said in the scripture, what I do is I say, that's great. I really like that. Hey, thanks for sharing that with me. You know, that's great. And then I like pick out the things that I like and kind of hold on to those for a little while until they get in the way of my process. Okay? It's just what I do. And I'll think. And every now and then I'll I'll go, Oh yeah, I remember that. I learned that from the word of God. And and it was transformational to me and then i just kind of the things that i thought were important kind of took that over. and so i think this is one of those places where it'd be really easy to do that. and i'm i'm a- after studying this i i tr- i thought about applying it. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm absolutely asking myself the same question. will i listen to what he has to say? so having said that uh Here's the, here are the three things that I want to say about it as we read this through this thing. Three things about what it, what it is to follow Jesus closely in, this, in the society that goes against him. One is be subject. Be subject. Two is live free. And three is follow Jesus. Be subject, live free, and follow Jesus. Those are the three things that are going to form the outline. So let's read it together. It's uh, 1 Peter two thirteen. 23. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governor sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to, the, to him who judges justly. So Peter is answering this question. How is it that we personally follow, follow Jesus in a, in a world that is bent against him? So let's talk about this idea, be subject. So you saw that probably in the first line of the first verse that we read, 13. Be subject to for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. So I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think that's a pretty big ask, right? Be subject to every human institution. So let's talk about this for a second. What does it mean to be subject? If, if you look, and, and I, I should say right up front, this is one of those passages where uh, it's really good to look at a commentary. If you, A lot of y'all have Online, but this is a place where the uh, original word that uses have meaning, they're full to dive into those. Yeah, this is sell, hold, please. Okay, I think that's going to be better. It's not those Cheerios I had. <laughs> after all, it's to place to be subject is to place ourselves under. So this is a theme that you got to be thinking about. I got to be thinking about as we walk through this because this is the start of this whole idea that that he's presenting to us. And and the thing about it is is that in the Greek, this word means that the original language of it it means to to do make yourself subject in an ongoing way. I choose to make myself subject, not not sometimes, but in an ongoing way. I put myself under authority of someone else. That's what it is to be subject. And when you when you subject yourself to someone else, we understand you are giving, and I am giving up my freedom, right? I'm letting someone else have authority, so I'm giving up some of my freedom, or all of my freedom in some way. But I want to I challenge you with this. Doing that is not for the weak. Okay? See, our culture gets this all messed up. We think we've got to be on top and in charge and controlling and manipulate the situation so it all comes out our way. The fact is that that's not what Jesus is saying, right? I mean, Peter is saying right here, and that's not the example of Christ. It flies in the face of our culture. So that's what it is to subject ourselves. It's an ongoing choice to put ourselves under other people. But here's the thing. When I I read this, and all through my life when I've read this passage, it says, be subject to every human institution. And then it it goes on to talk a little bit about uh, the emperor, the king, and some governors and stuff. And so I automatically have have always tied those things together and said, this must be about the government, right? This whole thing must be about, you know, be sure that you put yourself in subjection or choose to be under the government what does that look like for a christian okay that's a question we need to ask and you need to ask but that's not what this is about uh that peter's main point is not there's a much deeper meaning than a rule about putting yourself under your government so most translations if you have one there you have your phone you can look it up most of them will say put yourself under every human institution here, here's the interesting thing. The actual words there are "Put yourself under every human creation, every, in other words, every creation that is is human. So every human being. And see what he does is right after that he goes on and he says, "You've got the emperor, like that's the guy you think is the you know, the most powerful, then you've got governors and you've got city council, whatever you have, and then you move and then you have slave masters, you've masters and then it goes in the next chapter it talks about relationship relationships and relationships in marriage he's not talking just about government what he's doing is he's setting up a theme for this whole next chapter, even into chapter three that says hey these are these are all human people and what I'm asking you to do is to put to subject yourself to people okay so before I was saying okay well he's saying like the president and the Congress and the governor, I don't know, and the police, and whatever, going on down, and then my boss, and other relationships that I'm in where I would, should subject my... Well, while that is true, there is a bigger theme happening here, and a much more challenging theme, and it's about choosing to be subject to one another, to human beings, and and not based on their, uh, their merits. So, you know, I'm going to... Just to be honest, that that doesn't sound so great. It was a little bit easier when there was a clear like pathway of, of where I'm supposed to subject myself. But this opens a whole can of worms. How am I going to be subject to other people in general? Look around. How am I going to be subject to other people? Uh, you know, to ch- it sounds to me like I'm choosing the short end of the stick. I'm not going to have the power or influence that I think I should have or deserve. Uh, but but there's more to it than that, especially in that culture, because you know, when he says human beings, like creation that is human, that God's made, that word is gender neutral. Okay? Peter's, Peter is a 21st century guy. He is told absolutely that when they read this, because you know, when you study a, a romance language, you know, you got the genders, right? We, we don't use that here too much. Well, same with Greek. Th- this is gender neutral. In other words, it means male and female. And when he wrote this, those people read it and saw it like that. And it jumped off the page to them. It's not about gender, it's about submitting ourselves to one another. Do you see what I'm saying? So to them, this was radical, and even today, it it both ways. It goes both ways. But then there's more intensity to it because then he brings up the emperor. He says, "You be subject to humans, and one of those humans is the emperor." Now I don't know all of you guys, but I I know that some of you um, have from time to time been disappointed with our president. Or other government officials, even down to our own town, right? Uh, If you think you have a problem with that, when Peter says the emperor to these guys, this is a whole other thing. We we for us it it is all bunnies and puppies and and marshmallows and unicorns compared to this. This was when he said it's the emperor. These people had been conquered by these people and were essentially ruthlessly ruled, right? So when he says be subject to this man who is the emperor or the king, this was something, this was like, I'm serious about this. I'm serious, and he just hits him in the face with it. Not only does he say it's gender neutral, it could be anybody that you're subject to, but he says it's it's the one guy that you like the least. Anybody heard of Nero? And he, probably you don't hear about him as like being the greatest dude ever. This is when Nero comes to power, okay? This is Nero we're talking about. So when they say the emperor, it's, I hope that translates to us, okay? If you think you have a problem with our government, sink your teeth into this for, for a minute. Um, but in, in verse 17, he says something I think we need to understand and, and see when, in relation to this government thing. Because I think we need to address this. Are we supposed to obey the government, submit ourselves to a government no matter what it says, no matter what it does? Well, in 17 it says, fear God and honor the king. Okay? They're two different things. And this is elsewhere in scripture too. We are citizens of God's kingdom if you're a believer. And so he he is where we derive who we are and what we do. But there are also authorities that we are to obey. Okay, so... He's not saying do anything that any official t- tells you to do. That's not what this is about. This is about a much bigger picture of submitting and subjecting ourselves to others, rather than um, creating some kind of uh, dogmatic structure for what we're supposed to do in obeying the government. Am I making sense? You're with me in that. So it doesn't mean that civil disobedience or not doing or are. Talking, saying things against the government, that's not wrong when we're drawing our convictions from who God is. But we still are to choose to submit ourselves. So I just wanted to to point that out. The idea of being subject is a serious thing. It's something we choose to do in an ongoing way. But then he says something that I think is really interesting and contradictory in a way. He says, live free. Live free. Look at verse 16. I'm going to read 16 and 18 and skip over 17. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Live as people who are free, and then look at the end of that sentence there, uh, but living as servants of God. Now, how, how do you live free and live as a servant of God? There, that doesn't make sense. Live free and be a servant. How do you? How does that work? Uh, for them, when when he when Peter says live as a servant of God, that created a picture in their minds because the idea of servanthood was absolutely common in that society. Something that we just don't have a framework for, right? So when he when he draws this picture, he says. You have a good master, and that 's god and in that in his household in, in a household, a servant would have with a good master freedom, responsibility, they would be uh, even up to a part of the family. however, legally they had no rights they were the property of the master. Do you see how this sounds not unlike what it is that in this relationship that we 're in with God? He is absolutely over our lives. we should absolutely submit ourselves and humble ourselves before him. And when, they, when he says it's a, this is a servant relationship that you have, it made sense to them. Live as free and as a servant was not a contradiction of terms for them. Right? We think of slavery. Right? My daughter just did this report on slavery for school and I've been reading all that and when I was studying this, I was like, how do these things come together? But you have to understand what servanthood was in that era and that time. And this is this is where this passage gets really cool. Another another thing that Peter does is he's breaking these barriers in the scripture. And you know, when people come along and say, "Oh, the, the Bible—it's all like um, no," and and you know, women are not don't shouldn't have rights, and you know, you should have you know all these kinds of things that you hear that are in people's impressions of what they've heard, um, or maybe what they've even uh, been exposed to with some believers. Look. What Peter is doing, not only is using this gender-neutral idea of who we are to submit to, men and women, but he also is speaking to servants. And if you're to go back and look at the literature of this time, especially official literature, things that were to be read publicly, servants are never addressed. They're just not addressed because they're property. They weren't viewed as having a value. And what Peter's saying is not only are they have value, I'm speaking to them in this major, major level, this very important thing I'm saying. And I'm saying that to them. So that what they do, their actions, do matter. this is unheard of. You, you just wouldn't do this. you just wouldn't be part of the cult you just wouldn't say, and Peter's breaking these rules. it's just radical, and I know it, it's hard for me to express that to you how incredible it is, but that's what's happening here. it's dramatic, and so well, I mean one thing I, I can't help but just bring up, some people will often say okay, why does the Bible say not say anything about slavery? Have you ever asked that question yourself or been asked, you know, what is, where in the New Testament is this that it, it says slavery is wrong and it's got to end and th- this kind of thing? Something that I learned that's pretty interesting, I think, is that um, one of the reasons that it is not head-on addressed in the New Testament is that, like I said, it was a part of the culture, but it was also something where it, um, certain things that happened in history recently that made it very difficult to, um, uh, to to press that button without incurring incredible wrath from the government and also uh, seeding a problem. I don't know how many of you have heard of the Servile Wars. Any of you Roman history buffs? Well, uh, just a little over 100 years before this was written were three Servile Wars or Servile Wars And what these were 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 rebellions against the Roman government by slaves, okay? One of them you probably have heard of but maybe don't know. It's Spartacus, okay? So Spartacus is this guy who was a gladiator. You know, he was a great leader. He led thousands of slaves and servants in an uprising against Rome in Italy. And in that process, he uh, he did incredible damage and and had uh, an amazing rate of success. But then these two guys came up against him. or were great warlords. And they defeated him, and they just wiped out these thousands and thousands of uh, the slave warriors. And about 70 BC, when that happened, they crucified 6,000 people on the Appian Way. You probably remember that at some point. Appian Way was a road that was built between Rome and going south. They, They crucified. Now, if you can imagine what that was like. So this is in their recent history. this is like 1900 for us okay recent history. So the the mem- the idea of uh, slavery and in, in servanthood is something that's just locked into this society and I think the Spartacus concept just helps me get a, a better grip on that. I thought I'd just share it with you. I couldn't help it. So all right, so live free, live free, and we live free. As servants of God, that makes us free, and it takes courage to be in that place. And then, let me say this: that fo- the last thing I want to say is that it is um, in following Jesus that this happens; that we're able to walk uh, in this world that is against Him. Look at verse twenty-one: "For to you, for to this you have been called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example." so that you might follow in his steps. I mean, Peter makes it really clear, to to subjecting yourself, you have been called. He doesn't say you might have been called, or it's an option, or anything like that. He's saying you are called to subject yourself, and even to people who aren't good. It's going to be challenging for you. Just like Jesus submitted himself, he was the example, there, when, when he says uh, when he says this phrase that Jesus was leaving you an example, do you see that there? He, he was leaving you an example. The word example is a word hippogramus. And that's cool because a hippogramus was something that everyone would have known what it was. It's what they learned to write on. When you were a child, you had a, uh, a kind of a, a slate sort of a thing this this table and it had it had wax on it and the idea was that you learn to trace the letters that were there so that you learn to write. So this is how this thing called a hippogrammas, when he when he says Jesus is the hippogrammas, he's the example, he was r- creating a word picture in their minds. He said, Okay, he is exactly what you need to learn how to do this. He's the exact model of it. And when you practice and when you follow fa- this is how, it w- this will be the result. You will know, because he is your example. He is your hippogamous. He's that thing that, that shows you exactly what to do. But then, another thing is, he says, follow in his steps. And to us, that doesn't leap off the page quite as much as it did for them, because the word follow was a really intense word that he used. It, w- it was an elevated kind of a, a follow. Um, it meant to really follow closely like really close. I'll never forget this uh, speaker I heard one time. He's, he was uh, a Vietnam vet, and he was telling about uh, a, a kind of a soldier that we had there that was an expert at um, looking for traps in the jungle. And so he would lead his uh, different groups of men through the jungle, but he would be looking for all the dangers, and they would go exactly where he went and did, do exactly what he did, every step. Exactly where he stepped. Every single step. And that's the kind of picture that is reflected here. Follow him so closely. It's not like look out and see, okay, that's what you This is be right there. And he is in front of you, going before you all the way. It's a really cool image. You can almost imagine those footsteps sunk into the ground, you know, in front of you. And and it's Jesus walking in front of you, just right behind him, stepping immediately. You know, have your hand on his shoulder. He's walking ahead of you. In this, Uh, I have to say that that idea that Peter brings up right here of following Jesus closely helps me when I think, am I going to apply this? Am I going to decide to subject myself? Because think about this for a second. So we believe as Christians that Jesus died for us, Right? We believe that he died for us. And when he did that, he is submitting himself. He is subjecting himself, right? Would he die for me in order to make it possible for me to do something destructive to myself? It doesn't make sense. He died for me to bring the very best to me, to bring relationship with God to me, to bring fulfillment and life to me, right? So, when it says to follow him closely, it may not look like what the world shows us is success or the best choice. When I'm following close to him, what I'm doing is finding I'm, I'm living out the gospel because I'm so close to him. And there's no, there would be no better place to be than to be right in his footsteps. Would he die to provide for me something that was destructive to me? No. No. He died to provide good things, to provide justice, to provide hope, to provide a relationship with God. And if he did that, then I can trust him. And did you notice at the end it says about Jesus, it says, he, he did all the things that he did and he entrusted himself to God. And so as he entrusts himself to God and as he did, I'm called to do the same thing and walk right in his footsteps. And that is the best thing that I can do. But, and I'll I'll pray. I'll leave you with this question: Will I, will I do it? Will I hear that, and choose to be subject? God, you are you're good, and you can fill us and meet our needs. We entrust ourselves to you. God, I pray that each one of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, would uh, truly listen to Peter's words, uh, even just. I thank you that he spoke directly um, and honestly, but God, we we don't want to hear these things sometimes. And I pray that we would find application in our lives uh, as we follow you closely. In Jesus' name, amen.